2: Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. When we hit play on the number three song on the charts right now, number three on the charts, number one in our hearts, Charlie. Yes, yes. We hear something that doesn't obey many of the rules that a top 10 hit is supposed to follow.
1: Driving. I'm so mature, I'm so mature. I'm so I got me in th-
2: What surprises me about the beginning of this song is the way that it uses melody.
3: Yeah, it's very uh, meandering.
2: It wanders. It winds, and it wends. It does not repeat, which is maybe the number one thing we would expect from a hit song, I think, is the sense of repetition. You provide a phrase of melody, you repeat it, you get the listener familiar, like that's the whole game. This song doesn't do that. I don't know where it's gonna go. You're listening to Kill Bill by SZA, and this is the big single off her recent album, S.O.S. Much requested episode. People have been waiting years for this release, and listeners and critics seem to agree that it's been worth the wait. This album is mm-hmm. thick with juicy samples and stretched out beats incredible rhythmic dexterity but charlie what i want to talk about today is scissors unique approach to melody the thing to me that makes her stand apart from pretty much anyone else out there right now
1: i'm
3: glad you brought this to me because i have to be honest about something.
2: This is a safe space, Charlie.
3: SZA hasn't always connected with me, and I think it's over exactly this issue. Sometimes I don't know where I am. I'm a little lost in listening to some of her songs because I'm looking for that hook that repeats that I can sing again and again because I'm a simpleton.
2: I just need the hook. You've come to the right place, Charles, because we will help you get your grounding in this episode, we're going to unlock the secrets behind SZA's endless melody. These melodies that don't repeat, don't go where you expect them to. Mm. Sound almost like stream of consciousness sometimes. And in order to explain Sizza's endless melodies, we have to dig into the themes and messages of the album. Mm. Sizza has described SOS as an album featuring, quote, bizarre acts of self embarrassment (laughs) and that gives you an idea of the kind of radical honesty and openness that we're gonna find on SOS. Mm. Something that I think is established at the very beginning of the record, the first track, the title track SOS, begins with the sound of sonar.
3: You're not fooling me. That sounds like Morse code.
2: Whoa, wait, that Charlie. That sounds like
3: a call for help. An SOS.
2: Not sonar, Morse code. I used to be a wilderness guide. You know, I, I know these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I actually remember this. SOS is long, 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 short, 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 long, 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 which is what we hear at the start of this. You almost got
3: it. Three short. Three long, three short, but basically the same thing.
2: (laughs) O-S-O-S-O-S. O-M-God. You're making it seem pretty uh, obvious that this is the case, Charlie, but uh, this is kind of blowing my mind. I think it's something I'm tuned into
3: because as a mega Beatles fan, I know that John Lennon signs his initials in Strawberry Fields Forever in Morse Code. So whenever I hear those little uh, sort of non-rhythmic beeps, I'm looking for it.
1: Let me take you down.
3: That little da 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 da
2: da That's John Lennon signing his initials. That's cool. I know exactly the part of that song you're talking about. I never connected to Morse code, just like I didn't connect the opening of SZA, (laughs) even though I probably should have gotten it the more we're talking about it. It's all good. Sonar, Morse code, someone's asking for help. And the Morse code intro is immediately followed by what sounds to me like something being launched into the water, maybe like a big splash. (laughs) All right, musical detective, what was that? FX. That was maybe sort of
3: jumping off the diving board from which she's sitting on the front of the SOS album cover, and then it sounds like there's like a cannonball and then a beat drops.
2: Interesting, a depth charge perhaps? A depth charge. There you go. Yeah, I had the same reading. Charles, the cover is her uh, on a diving board, maybe photoshopped onto the ocean, and 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 you do get the sense of that this album starts with her sending out a distress signal and then diving in, diving into what exactly? I think. her her subconsciousness, her her past, her history, her fears, her joys, her anxieties. Yeah. Check out the very end of this opening track, S.O.S. We get two more sounds. Okay. That's terrifying.
3: Uh, We have the cocking of a gun Mm -hmm. followed by... A meditation bell
2: or a gong yes yeah exactly a tibetan singing bowl mm-hmm. and i feel pretty confident identifying that final sound as such because i know Siza is into tibetan singing bowls oh. because she likes to play them and, and sing on instagram live which is uh a real a real treat to to behold. There's there's even one video where she duets with Lizzo on the flute while while playing her Tibetan singing bowls.
3: <laughs> okay, so we've got the Tibetan singing bowls, we've got the gun cocking, we've got the jumping in the water, we've got the SOS Morse code. What does this all have to do with how she sings melodies? What's going on?
2: If this album represents a dive into her psyche, an embrace of both the pain represented by the gunshot and the pleasure represented by the Tibetan singing bowl, then SZA's endless melody is the path that will take us through this psychological journey. It's like she sings on the track Shirt.
1: Comfort
2: in not about- Feeling lost, but I like it.
3: Okay, I'm getting it more. These sounds are ones of danger, uh, some of healing. There's anxiety in the air. There are melodies that are running away from something or chasing towards something. And so she's singing melodies that are running away from those sounds or maybe chasing something trying to go somewhere
2: when we listen to a song like notice me we hear one of those melodies charlie one of these melodies that meanders that doesn't travel where you expect it to and i think as listeners we feel a sort of intimacy with sisa when we hear that It's very disarming, I think, because there's not a lot to lock onto here. It's really like listening to a friend kind of pour their heart out to you, and they're not like perfectly structuring what they're saying. They're just letting it all loose. But there's kind of like
3: a theme to what she's talking about, and she's emphasizing it using these accented melody notes where there's sort of these high notes that come in and say, this is important, this is important, this is important, but it's not happening in the same place each time. It's keeping me guessing, leaning in closer, listening more intensely.
2: That style results in sections of these songs that are the most beautiful, catchy, hooky thing that you've ever heard in your life, and it lasts (laughs) for about five seconds, and then (laughs) it's never heard again, which is, to me, perfectly represented by this pre-chorus in Notice Me, where she does what you're describing, she kind of ascends into the higher ranges of her voice to accent certain melody notes.
3: Stop it. She's not going to give me that note again. I want that note like 17 more times. And that's
2: exactly what 99% of artists would do. She gives us this indelible melody, and then it's like, okay, I'm moving on to the next thing, and if you want to hear that again, you'll have to go spin it back yourself. And it's not just in verses and pre-choruses where Siza unleashes these meandering, endless melodies. In the choruses of certain songs, it can be really hard to get your bearings because she doesn't give you any clear repetition. Take a song like Seek, and destroy
3: so it's just the words i want to do it to you but happening all over the place in different ways different times
2: very suggestive. Though in the fuller context of the song, I, I think it's more about like revenge than it is about maybe something sexual, which it sounds like you have in mind. I was thinking about revenge. What what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about what you're thinking about is what I'm thinking about. Okay, okay, okay. There's another version of the song that's like, do it to you, do it to you, do it to you, do it to you, where all of mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. lines kind of arrive in a very steady and predictable way but in SZA's version it's like do it to you long pause I want (laughs) to do it to you and you're like whoa where did that come from
3: (laughs) it acts kind of like the kick drum does in a lot of her productions where it's like you get the downbeat and then you're waiting for the next one and it happens on some syncopated interesting place the rhythm keeps you interested and she's doing the same thing in her vocal
2: That fragmented approach to melody, we also find on a track like Gone Girl. And there might even be a lyrical reference to She's Gone by Hall and Oates here. That might be another story, though.
3: This is the most repetitive that I've heard her where some of the melodies are the same. Uh True. true. The lyrics are obviously the same. Uh, She's doing a lot of, one of my favorite things to do, rhythmic displacement, taking a little idea and placing it on a different rhythm each time to keep you guessing. And even when you think she's doing a repetition, it's some meaningful variation of the thing
2: she's done before. This is a diabolically displaced chorus, as you say. (laughs) It really keeps you on your toes. It's hard to lock in. It's a little disorienting, maybe, to listen to, which I think is part of the point of these fragmented choruses and these endlessly melodic verses. They put you on your back foot and they draw you deeper in mm. to SZA's world, the world of the gun and the world of the Tibetan singing bowl, the world of the distress signal and the world of the diving head first into the water. And so SZA's... Melodic transparency and candor makes her a different kind of hit maker. Mm-hmm. If we listen to a lot of other hit songs on the charts, they'll use something that we've talked about on the show before, a technique that's usually attributed to Max Martin, mm-hmm. and it's called melodic math. If you listen to Anti-Hero by Taylor Swift, you can hear the imprint of Max Martin's melodic math in the chorus. Oh surely.
1: It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. At tea time, everybody agrees.
2: It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. And then the next line will have the same syllable count at tea time. Everybody agrees. It's very satisfying to listen to, very effective, very
0: mm-hmm.
2: well-worn playbook. I love tea time. Now, Siza's songs hit different so to speak because Mm. they don't follow this use of melodic math now I want to be clear there are exceptions like that number three hit song that we listened to at the very start of the episode Kill Bill Mm -hmm. it does have a very mathematically melodic chorus which incidentally is so much fun to listen to and so dark at the same time (laughs)
3: Right. It has this little melodic sequence, that da, 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 da. And it does that in a bunch of variations. But even she can't bring herself to sing it exactly the same way. There's all these little melismas and extra little uh, you know, neighbor tones and
2: changes just to give it some extra spice. And then as soon as the chorus ends, we're back to an endlessly melodic second verse.
1: Yeah.
3: Wow. You're helping me understand that she's got this balance of if you're going to wander on a journey, you have to get somewhere eventually. And so she's sometimes going to give us some melodic math, something that we can sing back.
2: That's why it's so cool to see her charting so high because she's creating these pretty prototypical hooks, but then surrounding them with these meandering, wandering melodies. I've described this as a pretty unique sound, which, which I stand by, but I do want to acknowledge, like I, I think SZA is influenced by some important sources in her artistry mm-hmm. here. And when we come back, I want to dig into what some of the antecedents for SZA's endless melody might be. Where did SZA come up with this approach to endless melody? I have a few suggestions. And one of them is all over this album. I I don't think I'm original in saying this at all. Mm -hmm. It's the influence of hip hop flow. Yeah, surely. This is something Rihanna spoke to DJ Jazzy Jeff a few months ago about, how rappers' favorite singers usually sing like rappers. Mm. Mary J. Blige, for instance. I feel like SZA is in that category. She's like a rapper's singer. And songs like Low off SOS really capture the influence of hip-hop flow on her vocal approach.
3: Yeah, she collaborates later on on the album with Travis Scott, and here she's even using vocal processing, which feels very akin to how he would process his vocals. Uh, He probably does it because he doesn't have maybe the vocal chops and melodic sensibility that SZA does. She doesn't need it, but she's using it because it sounds great.
2: In addition to that, her delivery, the syncopation, the swagger that she brings to the song feels like almost a hybrid between... Singing and rapping on other tracks on the album, mm. there's no ambiguity. She's just straight up rapping. Check out "Smoking on my X pack I'm
1: <laughs> like psycho. You like Texaco, infection like you test it go. You push it pop. I'm fucking favorite rapper block.
2: So the influence of hip hop is all over this record, but let's peel back another layer. When we listened to the first song, SOS, we focused on the sound effects, the Morse code, sure, yeah. the Tibetan singing bowl. But there's also a sample that provides the backing for the whole track. <laughs> it's a sample from the 1970s gospel group, the Gabriel Hardeman delegation. It's a song called Mm. Until I Found the Lord. And I think that's an interesting clue to where SZA might get some of her melodic approach, because gospel is another style of music that's all about Mm. endless melody. That's all about improvisation and ad libs and ornamentation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if we go to that original 70s gospel track, we hear a singer who could like be a guest on a scissor record.
1: Until I found the Lord
0: Until I
1: found the Lord Give me a second, give me a minute Now a little bitch can let you finish And yeah, that's right, I need commissions of mine
3: Nate, this is taking me way back. Back to when I first met you, studying maybe modal counterpoint. Uh huh. You know, so much of music based off of religious text has to work with an economy of words because sometimes those passages are very short. People make songs that are 20 minutes long just using the line Kyrie liaison" and that's it. You got two words and you got to stretch it out. You got to praise all the way through just a few words.
2: Hmm. It's all about the embellishment, the individual emotion you bring to those words. And of course, contemporary r is very indebted to gospel for those reasons. Surely, And so I think that's the next place we should turn if we want to understand Siza's style, because some of her peers in the R&B game are also leaning into this endless melody approach. I think of someone like Jasmine Sullivan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and her song Girl Like Me Or Summer Walker who even features SZA on her track No Love
1: you didn't yet see my worth, so you try to play me. But I was so in love, love. That I just got a little bit so complicated.
2: Okay, hip-hop, gospel, R&B. I don't think those are particularly surprising, though I think it's cool no. to see how they're connected. I want to throw out two more Influences that might seem a little bit more out of left field. All right. But we get a clue when we get about halfway through the album and SZA gives us uh, a guest artist who seems a little unexpected in the context of this album. This is on the track Ghost in the Machine.
3: Did we just take an indie folk
2: rocket ship into the universe of Phoebe Bridgers? Indeed, we did, Charlie. And her appearance kind of ushers in this little suite within SOS, the album, of SZA leaning into her indie rock, pop punk, emo influences. Mm. The next song is called F2F, and check out this chorus.
3: Okay, I definitely hear the pop-punk and the indie rock influence. How do those bring a meandering
2: melody kind of vibe? Well, let's go back to the featured artist SZA brings in on Ghost in the Machine, Phoebe Bridgers. On a song of hers like Motion Sickness, there's the same kind of meandering melody that never quite goes where you expect it to.
1: You gave me 15.
2: One more charlie can you indulge me of course this is fun the great opera composer of the 19th century ricard wagner <laughs> if we're talking about endless melody we have to talk about wagner oh yeah we have to talk about the liebestod aria from tristan und isolde right <laughs> sung here by the incomparable jesse norman
3: There's countless ethical and moral reasons why I don't enjoy Wagner, but, uh, you know, that meandering melody of his is part of why I think I never really got tuned in to his works. Again, I'm just such a, a basic man. You're the mayor, Simpleton. You need simple, repetitive blocks. Melodic math, man. Little, uh, little Lego pieces that go perfectly together. Okay, but I accept the challenge. There's a lot I've really enjoyed about SZA here. How do you think I should listen to works that aren't giving me that pop sensibility, the nice repetition, the easy hand-holding? What approach should I take?
2: Well, Charlie, just as these artists are embracing a kind of radical honesty and openness, the way SZA is just like unlocking her entire life for you in her songs, Mm. and singing in a way that reflects that, singing in a way that is sometimes messy and open-ended and unrepetitive. (laughs) Maybe that's the way we need to listen ourselves to open ourselves to going on this journey with these artists and seeing where that might lead. Switched on Pop is produced by Rihanna Cruz,
3: engineered by Brandon McFarlane, edited by Art Chung, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, community management by Abby Barr. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Hannah Rosen, a member of the Vox Media Podcast
2: Network and a production of Vulture. You can find more episodes of Switched on Pop wherever you get podcasts. Head to Spotify, head to the Apple Podcast app. Go to our website, www.switchedonpop.com and hit us up on social media. We're at SwitchedOnPop on on Instagram and Twitter, and we wanna know what track off SOS have you been vibing with? What is your endless melody? Also, a little reminder, on our website, SwitchedOnPop.com,
3: we have some new merch, some beautiful, beautiful totes that have squiggly, gorgeous, multicolored line drawings that wander in a journey kind of like those melodies. I see what you did there. We'll be back again next Tuesday with a new episode. And until then, thanks thanks for listening.
2: listening.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
1: Hi, checking in for...
0: Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!